Hey, it's Sebastian from the Metal Gods Meltdown, and I'm joined by... It's Indy from Doomsday Outlaw. Congratulations on the excellent Hard Times, which gets released on May the 11th. What has the general feedback been like so far from the media? Uh, it's It's been good. We've only had a couple of reviews through so far, but um, obviously we've put three three singles out. Um, so there was one that came with the uh, announcement in February, which was... Um, spirit that made me and then since then we've had over and over and bring it on home so yeah so those individual songs have uh, been picking up some attention which is good and um yeah like i said we've only had one one review through of the album itself so far but it's it's an absolute blinder so <laughs> we're hoping for more of those how much of a progression would you say hard times is from your debut suffer more yeah it's kind of more more of what we were doing um so in on suffer more we yeah, we consciously weren't trying to write in any particular style. So, we were, you know, we had a bit of blues, a bit of um, a bit more straightforward rock. So everything from kind of Thin Lizzy to White Snake to Zeppelin was all thrown in there. Um, so, yeah, so we still got the same roots, but I think we're bringing in some more influences. Um, so you'll find some stuff on there that's almost like, you know, Curtis Mayfield, Isaac Hayes type, um, you know, a bit of funk. Um, and then also there's... Phil's got a showcase piano ballad, which is as sparse as we could make it, just to really showcase his voice, which again is like a different, um, you know, a different tempo for the album. Um, so yeah, it's more of the same, but yeah, very much more, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So which songs are your own favourites off the new album, and which ones are you most looking forward to performing live? Hard Times itself, uh, I think, is is an absolute pile driver, and and just got a really good groove on it, which she'll get people going live um, I think Bring On Home is a favourite as soon as, as soon as it was written pretty much it was so so catchy um, so quite a bit different from what we've done before um, much much catchier there's a song on there called Break You which it started off funky and then got funkier as we as we recorded it and um, took uh, took quite a different approach to it so uh, yeah I think we, we're going to need to get that down in the in the rehearsal studio before we break it out live but um yeah it's an absolute it's an absolute blinder on the on the record and we're you know we're hoping to be able to bring that out to people and get some people dancing i think
So how would you best describe your music to any of our listeners who are currently unfamiliar with Doomsday Outlaw? So a cross between pretty much anything um, anything from the 60s and 70s that was good. So we've mm. got the early Sabbathy type heavy blues riffing going on. We've got a bit of the more uh, blues-based um, blues-based riffs and kind of Zeppelin, and going through like the kind of deep purple with kind of soaring vocals. But on top of that, we're kind of bringing in like modern influences. So you know, it's got a bit, there's a hint of Alter Bridge in there, a bit of Blackstone Cherry. Um, so yeah, so we're trying to take those classic influences of all the stuff that we grew up listening to, um, but kind of make it make it so that it's, it sounds good today. Um, not that the old stuff doesn't sound good today, of course. It, it sounds tremendous. But, uh, yeah, we're putting our own spin on it. And I think we all listen to so many different bands and varying bands that we end up not massively sounding like any one particular band because when it's all thrown into the mix together, it kind of becomes its own thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, if you like if you like classic rock and you like modern rock, then hopefully you'll, uh, you'll dig what we're doing. You head out on tour with Jizzy Pearl soon. How big a fans of his are you? I am a humongous love hate fan, absolutely huge. <laughs> so, from the first time they came over, I'm trying to think. Um, so, when they were playing with the Wild Hearts, I think, at one stage. Uh-huh. So, that'll be like early 90s. And then, pretty much every time they came over since then. So, it's all them uh, opening up for Skid Row on the Slave to the Grind tour. Um, when they played, uh, we saw them at the NEC, and then they added an extra show at the, at the Nottingham Royal Concert Hall which was just mind-blowing because basically they'd taken the entire arena show and just stuffed it into this theatre, yeah. <laughs> which was ridiculous. The ramps were literally coming off the stage and into where the crowd were, and that was just an absolutely tremendous show. And the amount of times they played Rock City as well back in the day. Um, I think, I mean, if I remember correctly, I think Love Hate were one of those bands that was always loved more in the UK than it was in America. I think they've got a, a fairly off-kilter sensibility that I think the mainstream rock fans in America just didn't quite get. They just thought they were a bit weird. But I think it was exactly what what the uh, what the British rock fan got. It was there was a lot of sarcasm, there was a lot of drinking, and there was a lot of wordplay and just attitude. So yeah, I think uh, I'm from talking to Jersey. I think he feels that UK is very much his second home in terms of actually having a a family out there waiting to see him so yeah i can't wait can't wait to see him saw him last year actually um at hrh and best best band of the weekend he was absolutely on form he was brilliant As well as the Jizzy Pell tour, what does the rest of 2018 hold in store for you guys? We've got we've got a few kind of one-off shows. We've got our album launch show on the 12th in Sheffield, 12th of May, so the day after the album comes out. On Thursday the 26th of April, we've got a show in London, which is kind of a, a, a record company showcase show. So they're, they're putting us on with uh, Dirty Thrills and The Brink. Um, so that's going to be great because that's they're two amazing UK rock bands. So uh, really looking forward to that as well. And then later on in the year, we've uh, we've announced we're uh, main support for Graham Bonnet mm-hmm. going out in, in August. So that's going to be brilliant. Again, just a, 
a good opportunity to just see someone just belting out absolute classic rock songs for you know every night of the week and just, yeah. just getting uh, getting that education. That's gonna be that's gonna be great. Looking forward to that. Um, and just before Graham Bonnet, we're also uh, playing the Sophie stage at Bloodstock, which um, which we're massively excited about. It's, um, a couple of lads go every year to Bloodstock as their local festival, so. Uh, yeah, I think they're particularly looking forward to being on the other side of the barrier. Are there plans to head over to Europe at all at the moment, or are you just sort of like basing it in the UK? Uh, we're working on it, yeah, very much so. So, uh, yeah, just waiting for... We've uh, blocked out some times, uh, looking to put together a package, a couple of bands. and So, yeah, I think we've got people going out and selling it in, as they say. Um, so we're going to see what comes back, but hopefully we'll have some some good news soon on that front um i'm i'm hoping so i've been lucky enough to to go to a few shows in in europe and the crowds are the crowds are very much into it as i've been shows in like uh, italy and denmark and germany mm. um and spain uh, and yeah I'm, I'm hoping we get a chance to go out there it's a, it's a different different vibe absolutely i go to belgium a lot um i've been to quite a few festivals in belgium and it's so much yeah. better so much better than the uk the passion and that and it's cheaper and it's just everything's amazing i, love <laughs> I, I went to um, gods of metal in in milan and literally everybody looked like Nikki Six in 1982. Like all, all, all the boys, all the girls, they all, they were all like six foot five with a massive mop of, of uh, black hair and skin tight leather. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> it was like forty thousand of them. Which are your two favourite albums of all time, and what did they, what have they meant to you personally? Favourite albums of all time. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm a huge fan of Exile on Main Street for a number of reasons. Firstly, the um, the songs themselves, they're, they're the Stones without being like the Stones. I think they're not the kind of obvious satisfaction and sympathy for the devil and all those kind of singles, almost, when they released the London singles thing. That's what they became known for, is this feels more like an album. So it's a solid body of music that's got a real heart and soul to it and really feels like a band jamming it out in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the material on there, and also just takes me back to a particular evening when uh, when I was a lot younger, and we ended up in Berlin. But yeah, Exile on Main Street ended up being the soundtrack of that evening. So so every time I hear that, it kind of reminds me of that. And then, oh, what else? It's a tough one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd say possibly I'll put I'll say Shout of the Devil for today. It's going to be different every day. Um, I think the reason for that is I remember my, my brother bought uh, the single for 10 Seconds to Love and came home, I think it was 10 Seconds to Love, I think, uh, put it on. Um, we opened, first of all, it was a gatefold, we opened it up and it had Motley Crue in there, Shout of the Devil, Prime, Blood and Fire everywhere. Um, and it has a live wire as the B-side. Uh-huh. So basically it said, here's a song from Shout of the Devil, here's a song from Too Fast for Love. We listened to it. He turned it over, we listened to it again, and then he said, right, I'll be back. <laughs> Got on his bike, rode back into town to buy both albums, and that was that was essentially what started me on the rocky road to being a, a rock fan in the first place. So I think that's why that's that's uh, probably got a, a special place in my heart, I think, for its sins. Can you remember the first time you ever played live and how it felt to have people watching you? Yeah, so I was in a band. We were called Outcry, which I'm pretty sure was probably some like really famous band, but... Back in the days before the internet, there was no way of really checking any of that. Um, we were a covers band, um, 
were 14 and the I remember the uh, guitarist was a, a child prodigy it was absolutely ridiculous and we, we used to rehearse on um, Fridays and Saturdays um, and we'd pick songs to do um, so on the Friday uh, our singer had come in and he said oh he really wants to do a decadence dance by Extreme and Kitten's Got Claws mm-hmm. by White Snake and Steve Vai showcase we came in the next day for the next rehearsal and the guitarist had them both down like <laughs> like a Nuno Betancourt and a Steve Vai thing and he'd, he'd learn them in a day and it was just absolutely was ridiculous um, but yeah so that was that was my first band so we uh, we played at a place called the Narrowboat in Nottingham which I'm not even sure is still there it's, uh, yeah we were we were 14 the place was full of massive bikers and we were kind of like shuffling around the place trying to keep our heads down <laughs> basically <laughs> so it was all new um but yeah as soon as as soon as we started playing like i said the kid on kid on guitars was just absolutely held the room um i think we started off with eruption which is because up until that point everyone was like who are these kids don't serve them <laughs> and <laughs> as soon as you started playing everyone was like wait a second um so yeah, it was cool. It was cool. That was that was my first experience of playing live. What one possession could you not live without right now? Sadly, I think it'd have to be my phone at the moment because um, in terms of in terms of organising stuff for the band and making sure that everything everything's happening, I'm I'm on there pretty much fourteen hours a day looking at things and fixing things. And uh, yeah, I think from a purely practical and boring point of view. Um, I think we'd we'd struggle to get out there, because um, that's that's the way things are done nowadays. This is true. I mean, how hard and difficult is it to be in a band in two thousand and eighteen? It's yeah, it's a double-edged sword. I think so. On the one hand, um, it's great, like doing you know before when when you wanted to uh, book a gig or get any reviews. It was you know you had to know the right people to then find out who the the right people to speak to about the next bit and everything took so long and you never really knew what was happening until you got there i think the immediacy of the internet is is a good thing in that case because you know it's relatively easy to find the right contacts for things and then you know you make your case and you either get something or you get blown out but at least you've got some idea what's going on um but i think the downside of that is it's it's a crowded market it makes it harder for the quality to to kind of rise to the top so if you're if you're a fan and you're looking for music knowing you know being able to sort the wheat from the chaff is pretty pretty difficult um and i think also it means that a lot of stuff just feels a lot more disposable mm-hmm. not just because people nick music for free but um but just because you know you know that there's you know another album that you can download in the next two minutes should you want to I mean, you know, when, when I was growing up, you bought an album and you listened to it for a week solid. And, you know, by the end of the first day, you knew all the words because you'd listened to it on rotation. So, okay. um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I know I haven't got the same connection with new music as I did when I was younger. But I think that's that's partly a thing that you lose when you get older anyway. But I think it's partly just because it is, it is different. The whole value of music isn't isn't what it used to be, sadly. Can you tell me then why we should buy Hard Times? If you want an hour's worth of solid rock and roll music that is going to make you dance, make you think, make you cry, make you think, actually, maybe I should go to a gig and catch these guys because we can do it live. That's something we're very proud of. And 
that's that's why you should go and see it. And you know, you will you will hear the sound of five people giving giving everything they've got in their songwriting, their performance, um, delivering something that means something to them. And um, hopefully that translates across and will connect with people in different ways. Can you give me four words to describe Doomsday Outlaw? Disorganised, loud, uh, soulful, probably loud again. Festival or small intimate gig? Uh, festival. Vinyl or digital? Vinyl. Bloodstock or download? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Uh, download for me, bloodstock for some of the others. Derby County or Nottingham Forest? Derby County. Donald Trump or the Swedish Chef and the Muppets? <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to tell the difference sometimes. Uh, I'll go with the Swedish Chef. <laughs> Do you have any final words for your fans and our listeners? Thanks for the support. Uh, thanks for listening to you know, catch, you know, listening to the singles online. If you like what you hear, there's plenty, plenty more where that came from. Um, check out the songs, buy the CDs, buy the stuff, and uh, come and see us live. And uh, we hope we won't disappoint you. We know we won't disappoint you. This is Indy from Doomsday Outlaw, and you are listening to the Metal Gods Meltdown. Mm-hmm.